Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode 29. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being with us here this Wednesday. Steelers Nation, as we begin the transition from the team's Week 3 win over the Raiders into Week 4 against the Houston Texans. Finally, an afternoon game after all these night games, Sunday, 1 o'clock at Houston. Should be a good game. We'll talk about that more on Friday, but maybe touch upon things a little bit today. Dave, how you doing? Uh, I am fantastic on this Wednesday. Kind of a weird week, right? It feels like it's uh, feels like we we've missed covering some stuff, and I guess that's mainly because of uh, the students being caught on that plane and obviously not having any any interview. What what it was was just there there wasn't all that media interaction on uh, on 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 Monday there, and that was obviously because they were trying to trying to get back from uh, from Las Vegas there. But uh, Mike Tomlin spoke to the media obviously on. Uh, Tuesday there. We'll talk a little bit about that. And you know, I guess we'll go over a little bit more. And you've got a couple of interesting posts. I know you wrote about uh, negative, uh, negative plays, something that we've been talking about. And I'm sure we've got a few more observations after going back through the all 22 there. Yeah, we had spoken and you really harped on the point Monday and it got me thinking about all the negative runs. And so I wanted to quantify that and we'll, we'll kind of dive into that maybe a bit later when we discuss what we saw from the all 22, but you're, Traditional, usual Steelers housekeeping. Again, uh, we'll talk about Mike Tomlin here in a moment, but a couple of roster moves occurring since we last spoke. Wide receiver Simi Pahoka was no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. He was signed to the practice squad uh, after final cutdowns. The cousin of nose tackle Braden Pahoka, he is now a Los Angeles Charger. He was uh, poached off the Steelers practice squad in large part due to the Chargers losing Mike Williams for the season due to a torn ACL and so Fahoko himself broke the news on TikTok like late on Monday night and so that became official on Tuesday and Pittsburgh making a practice squad move yesterday or practice squad deletion releasing cornerback Kalen Barnes who had signed I believe on September 15th really fast corner out of Baylor did not appear in a game with the team he stayed on the practice squad and so there's two open practice squad spots right now they did work out veteran wide receiver and former Baltimore Raven James Prochet Yesterday, he did not uh, sign as of this recording, so we'll see if they uh, add somebody there to help replace Fahoko and have some of the injuries in uh, Deontay Johnson, of course, being on IR and not sure on Gunnar Olszewski's status with his his, um, concussion that he dealt with in week number two against the Browns. Yeah, I guess we're going to get a couple of practice squad signings today. James Prochet, that's a guy that we've talked about uh, a little bit over the years, obviously with the Ravens for a little bit there. And didn't the Steeders have some uh, some decent interest in him a couple of years ago back back during the pre-draft process? I know we have we definitely have a, uh, a, a, a pre-draft scouting report mm-hmm. on him. I can't remember if he's one of the ones that they brought in uh, or not, but he's got return capabilities and all like that. And obviously with them losing uh, Fajoko and good for Fajoko too. I mean, I know a lot of people say, man, that, that stinks to lose a guy like that, but man, this guy's going to their 53 man roster and going to get a chance to, uh, to, to, to see if he can stick in the NFL at this point here. So I would imagine we'd have a couple more practice squad signings uh, by, by, by the end of the afternoon here. Sure, and we'll cover those for Friday's show. Dave, Mike Tomlin holding his Tomlin Tuesday and went through the injury status of this team. And overall, pretty good news. No major injury suffered in-game against the Raiders. There was Levi Wallace and Ashi Harris who got dinged, but they returned. Mike Tomlin not mentioning either by name. The names that he did mention today included James Daniels with a groin. Allen Robinson said he would be limited. Presley Harvin with a hamstring, but Tomlin saying that all those should you know, potentially limit those guys early this week. Maybe they'll be on today's injury report, but nothing that's going to probably impact their status for Sunday versus Houston. So um, obviously, again, still missing Kim Hayward, Deontay Johnson. He did not mention Gunner, the one player who was out due to injury for the game against the Raiders. But overall, Pittsburgh is in a pretty good spot health-wise entering this week. 
At least, at least that's what he tells us, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it'd probably be some. You know, they, he did mention bumps and bruises, so Wednesday reports always going to be you right. know, pretty long, but nothing that seems to be a particular concern in terms of guys potentially missing Sunday. Yeah, I I, I would agree there. So uh, we'll see what the Wednesday uh, injury report has to say. All right, what else did Mike Tomlin have to say during Mojo? This Get your mojo going, Alex. Or don't get it going, apparently, right. according to Tomlin. And, and he, you know, last week opened up his presser by saying this team needed their, their mojo back. And then he told reporters today when he was asked about did they get their mojo back at Lewin, he said, eh, I, I was just kind of making some stuff up and giving you guys something to write about. And we actually wrote about that on Sunday because he said that to Bob Labriola in their, you know, always they post a, a game day interview. And so we wrote about that. And so Tomlin's move just kind of reconfirming what he told Bob Labriola, but basically Tomlin said, we just wanted to, well, first of all, he said, you guys keep asking me the same questions. <laughs> no one asked Tomlin a question. That's how Tomlin literally began his press conference last Tuesday. So that was kind of weird, but, but that's the whole situation there. That was, that was weird, wasn't it? And, uh, for, for all the reasons that you just said, uh, I started, I had time to kind of go back and look at some quotes and all from, from the previous week. And, and all like that. Is this just an indication of he 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 uh, he throw out a but he threw out a buzzword, and then he didn't think it would maybe stick. And then now every week he's going to be asked about did you get your mojo and and <laughs> now you know did you get did you have your mojo in this one? And he's trying to nip it in the bud. Uh, kind of an Andy Griffin uh, uh, saying there a little a little. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, was it Barney Fife? You said nip it in the bud. I forget who who it was, but uh, um, I'm showing my age there. The old, you are. old Andy. You start whistling here. For yeah, the, uh, song? yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, g- trying to get myself back on track here. Uh, you know, is 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 this just a way of him trying to nip it in the bud for future for every week now? Asking. Do, do they have their mojo and all like that? It, it feels like that's the way, you know, he kind of, he, he kind of caught himself and given them something to ask about weekly that he's trying to shut it down now. Yeah. I mean, I really hadn't thought about the reason why he said it. And, you know, to me, it's just one of those curiosity things. I think he just started talking at his Tuesday presser to start saying something and maybe he realized that, eh, you know, do I really believe that? Or did I just kind of say that as I was trying to, intro this whole thing and then i want to make sure that we're not running with that too much i don't really know but i don't really care either all right uh but it was a it was interesting saying well my guys no i don't subscribe you uh subscribe to that bs and uh, you know all like that but he said it (laughs) right yeah but i honestly i think there was some some level of truth to it you had mason cole last week talk about we didn't have our confidence and you want to be confident and when you have slow starts you're kind of getting punched in the mouth early that can i think have a, a a mental impact so Tomlin may say it and then deny it, but I think there's certainly a level of, you know, swagger and confidence and attitude that you want and need to have as a, as a team to be successful. Or is that more of he does, doesn't want that to be an excuse anymore and try to send a message that way, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that could be part of it as well. And we understand, obviously, if you're going to play well, it's about technique and scheme and doing your job. And, you know, what I had said, I think, Sunday was what comes first? Does the confidence create the, the ability to have good technique and results or do the good results create the confidence? You know, which comes first, a chicken or egg type thing? I'm not really sure. But either way, uh, Pittsburgh has to build upon what they did Sunday. And I think another thing that he that he tried to make clear later on in the press conference was talking about all that time on the plane. And, you know, is there, is there going to be any residual uh, impact of that this week? And uh, trying to shut down, you know, it's going, God forbid that they should lose to the Texans on Sunday. It's going to circle back to that conversation, isn't it? In some ways, some, some, some of it will be framed in a narrative like, well, how, you know, did that time on the plane and pushing you kind of pushing back their, their normal schedule end up impacting this thing. You know, personally, do I think that, that, that it will No, but will, could it be a talking point? And is that why he was kind of you know, adamant saying, well, we're putting that behind us, not, you know, not going to be a mm-hmm. talking point because we don't want it to be an excuse. Sure. I think that's why he was so adamant and trying to shut down any notion that it could impact this team. You know, could it become a talking point if they lose to the Texans? 
maybe I think it'll generally kind of get forgotten about by the time you play a game Sunday, by the time four o'clock rolls around. But even if it is, what else is there to say? It's not like there was any control that Tomlin or the Steelers had over the situation. There's no debate about it. There's no discussion. I mean, you can just recognize it. But other than that, I don't even know what else there would be to, to discuss. Right. He did talk about that they were able to watch, obviously, thanks to the technology these days, they were able to get some work done on the plane and all like that. And I thought it was interesting. He was asked uh, specifically about Kendrick Green and all says, you know, I really hadn't looked at him individually. There's no way. personally uh, i know i know i've already turned on a little bit of the uh the uh texans tape from the the last two games there and my eyes could not uh stay off of trying to find out what what kendrick green was doing and i would imagine uh, maybe maybe he's better you know maybe he's better at putting the blinders on but uh find it hard to imagine he didn't sneak a peek or two about how Kendrick Green's playing. Or maybe he knows enough about him, obviously. At sure. This point. Well, just real quick, what's been your kind of top-level evaluation of Green when you turn on the tape? Uh, I mean, he hasn't given up a lot of pressure, tech, you know, uh, technically as far as pressures go and all like that. And I, you know, I think uh, uh, I think overall he's held his own. I mean, the... Uh, uh, pass for you know, his blocking overall is just what it's been average. I don't think, uh, and I haven't gone all the way through the, the offensive reel, but uh, you know, one of the big things with him when he was with the Steelers was on the ground so damn much. You know, are you uh, saying that with Houston? Uh, I didn't in, in, in the early stage there. Okay, all right. So, I mean, if it's average, that's all star for him for where it's mm-hmm. been oftentimes, so that's notable. I'm just not, I mean, is he definitely going to start? Because I don't know the status of Laramie Tunsil, their left tackle. That's kind of the reason why Green has, has started the last two games. I don't think it's a definite. I think everybody is expecting that to happen because he has started the last two. So it, it you know, it very well could come down to, to Tunsil and that status there. And uh, maybe he won't. Yeah. And, and I say that to different positions, but. Tunsil was has been out, and so their their week one left guard was Josh Jones, who they acquired from Arizona at the at the cutdowns, and he was a starting left guard. And once Tunsil went down, they bumped Jones to left tackle, and that moved Green up to left guard. So if if Tunsil returns, will they kick Jones back to left guard? Does Green go to the bench or not? I'm not sure. Even Tunsil's status right now, we'll get the injury report today. I I doubt he's going to practice, but we'll see. Maybe if there's any sort of feel for if he's going to try to give it a go in week four. So in some way. Their stud left tackle is going to impact what happens to Kendrick Green. Tunzel, I don't even think uh, traveled uh, with the team to Jacksonville, so uh, going to be it will be interesting to see Tunzel's status and see mm-hmm. if that has a residual effect and and ends up putting put, putting Green back on the bench again. Yeah, hopefully we'll have a Texans beat guy for Friday, and by that point might have more clarification about Tunzel's status for this game. The one thing we should mentioned from Mike Tomlin was the last question he got, and we didn't even really mention this on Monday because there was so much game-related stuff, but just to kind of recap everything, Sunday morning report came out from Jordan Schultz saying that when I first read the the tweet, I thought it was he was getting fired, but it was Matt Canada's getting a more prominent role reportedly. He was going to work with Kenny Pickett on a you know true day-to-day basis, kind of almost sounded like quarterback coach and OC play caller title. That, I believe, got refuted by The Athletic on Monday, and then Mike Tomlin Tuesday was asked about that. Has there been any change in Canada's role? And in a one-word answer, Mike Tomlin said no to essentially deny and refute the report. So, I mean, I don't know how much you you want to really discuss this, but that was the initial report, which has now been shot down by Mike Tomlin. Yeah, we talked. Didn't we talk about this a little bit on that? We didn't talk about it on the podcast. We we were wrapping up on 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 the Monday show, and I think we just I think we really even forgot to touch on that uh, Sunday morning report uh, there. But I think we hit on it a little bit on the Wednesday uh, live stream or Monday night mm-hmm. live stream and all like that. And uh, I mean, there was nobody else clamoring to back up that report. You know, uh, at, at the time, it felt. Uh, it, it it felt a little shaky, you know, uh, to to begin. I mean, how, 
I mean, the guy's been the OC for how long now? And, 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 and it wasn't really even defined in a report what that even means, uh, with, with him supposedly working more, you know, with, uh, with Pickett. So anyway, long story, I mean, there's no sense really spending a lot of time with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything did happen, you know, Tomlin's not letting, no, nobody's letting on about it. And, uh, he basically shot, shot the report down on, on, on Tuesday. Sure, but I did want to mention that because that was a a short but clear answer from Mike Tomlin's perspective that did directly refute the report and, and what's fact and what's fiction. Maybe that'll be found out some point down the road, but that's just where things stand today. Mike Tomlin praising the young players, especially on defense and Keanu real, real, real quick, I, I, I searched uh, something on Tunsil real quick from uh, from Aaron Wilson, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh and he says uh, the Texans have started Josh Jones at left tackle the past two games with Tunsil sideline. Tunsil badly wants to play and has been rehabbing constantly, but has been dealing with significant pain and stiffness in his knee, along with swelling that affects his mobility, according to, uh, to, to, to sources. His outlook remains complicated on a short-term basis and perhaps longer because of problem that because of a problematic uh, knee injury. Uh, Tunsil was in supreme physical condition, but has dealt with the rigors of, of the game that has taken a toll on his knee. He was limited in practice last week, listed as questionable initially on the injury report, was ruled out for the game against the Jaguars and did not travel. Okay, so still unclear on his status for this weekend. Doesn't sound great that he's going right. to have a shot to play in this one, but I think that's going to be the key to whether or not you see Kendrick Green, because I imagine if Tunsil does start, then Jones is going to go back to left guard and Green's going to go back to the bench. Okay. All right. Carry on where you're at. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. Uh, Good information there. Mike Tomlin praising the young defensive players, Keanu Benton getting his first sack, Joey Porter getting more snaps. People, and I don't mean like I'm punching down here or anything. I see from some of the local media too, but people are like, oh my God, Joey Porter Jr. is playing so much more. They're getting him so much more involved. He's just playing his same role in dime packages. Right. And there's just more opportunities because you're not getting blown out by the 49ers you know, in week <laughs> one. And you're having competitive play, you know, snap counts offensively, defensively. And the Raiders were down 23-7 playing catch up. So yes, Porter is playing more, but it's not some sort of concerted effort by this team to play him more. It's the situations he's playing in. There's just more opportunities to to get those snaps. They're playing in, in, in dime more. So I just want to say that out loud of why you're seeing this guy on the field more often. And look, you hope that you continue to get opposing yeah. teams in these second and third and long situations where you can get that dime out there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're playing dime, that means you got teams in third and long. It means that they're probably playing from behind, and, and those are all good things for your team. And the more snaps you can steal from him that way, the better for him in the you know in in the short term and the long term. Yeah, I mean, I think he's played well. I think he's shown improvement, and obviously, I thought he did well against Cleveland. And what I saw in this Raiders game, I thought you know looked looked pretty strong overall. Um, but just don't let the snap count fool you because his role has not actually changed one iota. And look, it's not like. Uh... Uh, Levi Wallace is, is 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 on track to make the Pro Bowl, and all, although if he intercepts two passes every week, mm-hmm. <laughs> he he will be. I, I, long story short, uh, they're not going to change anything with, uh, with 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 usage of Joey Porter this week. Correct. Yeah, it's going to be the same role as always. You know, will that change eventually? Sure. Will it change this season? Perhaps, but not week four. And that's all I can tell you right now. And then with Keanu Benton, asked about the snap counts for him, and Tomlin sort of deflected and just talked about more opportunities with Cam Hayward, of course, out. But, you know, Benton's been a guy that's really made an impact as a pass rusher, and I assume he's going to get more opportunities because of that. Yeah, I, was, I would expect him to be in the 20, 20 plus range snaps. Yeah, and maybe some more sub package stuff. What was his split? I always forget to check his split of sub package snaps. I think against Cleveland, he wasn't getting a ton of sub package snaps. Um, he's playing in their in their base defense, obviously. Uh, let's see if I can try to pull it up here. Uh, maybe you can vamp for a second there. When you watched the tape on Benton, what did you what did you see from him? Yeah, I, th- I thought uh, he's, he he continues to progress and all like that. And as we stated. Uh, I don't know. If, uh, I, I know we definitely mentioned him in, in, in the Monday show. And I think the, the, the Monday night live stream as well, too, there. Uh, 
you, you, you're seeing some things that, that make you feel like you got a cross between, uh, to it, Javon Hargrave there. And, uh, man, he's got a good club, doesn't he? That, that, that mm-hmm. club and swim over and all like that. And I think as, as you pointed out, you know, if we can start seeing more of that, uh, power, uh, bull rush, uh, up the middle, I mean, you know, uh, other than, you know, keep it, you know, continue to improve that balance. One of the things I think, you know, uh, that he needed to work on coming out of college there. I mean, for, for a guy this early on in his career for what, what, what did we say? He has snap count wise, like 60 or something like that. Uh, I think, I mean, he, he, you can tell uh, he, he jumps out on tape on, on, on a lot of snaps for him. Yeah, I'm looking at just seven sub-package snaps in this game, which feels a bit light for what he's able to offer. Um, yeah, so hopefully that increases. Let's see, this team's got what? Uh, third leads the NFL in 13 sacks, uh, and I think just uh, so far three of them has come from the defensive linemen. Uh, Benton has one, Joby has one, and Leal uh, has one. Uh there's, you know, with, with, with the emphasis, obviously on, on, on Watt and Highsmith on the other side. And, you know, you would expect these guys to start, you know, having more opportunities up front to, to make an impact if, if they can get in situations where quarterbacks have to hold the football. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you there. So, I mean, hopefully it'll happen. CJ Stroud's been sacked 11 times this season, but was not sacked against Jacksonville. And so you wonder how much is that them cleaning things up or was that game circumstance? They threw the ball a lot less because they were playing with a big lead. So there'll be an opportunity, uh, opportunity there, especially if Tunsil does not play that line for Houston has not been great overall, but uh, yeah, hopefully looking for more of an impact there from the interior defensive line. All right. What else on Mike Tomlin? Uh, let's see, just a couple small things, uh, run defense better. Tomlin saying they were out of place less, uh, often, which referring to just being gap sound and also just kind of posture to tackle and, and those types of things. So I thought, again, I thought run defense was, was really, I think the most impressive part of Sunday's win. And there were a lot of encouraging signs was the run defense because it had been so shaky and you didn't have Kim Hayward. I know the Raiders have struggled miserably, but you just weren't sure how good their run defense would be. And Pittsburgh had a very clear, committed plan to right. stop the run. They were in, I think, 11 times. Their base 3-4 against three receiver, 11 personnel groupings, which is not common for them, uh, especially without like a super great rundown nickel like a Mike Hilton. So um, I think that was the, the clear, pa- uh, clear plan. Don't let Josh Jacobs beat you. Make Garoppolo beat you. And that's how Pittsburgh wins. And I think we talked about uh, coming out on, on Monday about how the tackling seemed that much better. And I think even Josh Carney's uh, missed tackle report reflects that, right? You know, it, it, it was as it felt overall. Uh, now, you know, the whole Devontae Adams thing is a whole different topic there. You know, you don't like to see a guy go off on you like that. And it, 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 it obviously could have in, impacted the game, especially at the end there. Uh, but uh, run defense-wise, they, they did clean a lot of stuff up. Mm-hmm. Anything else from Tomlin? Uh, I'm trying to go through my Tomlin tidbits article. He sure likes him some Will Anderson. Oh, uh, yeah. That was I a mean, great story. Uh, 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 he, he talked about him and you know, just, uh, the, the, the pre-draft meeting and, and all like that, a guy that they, they, uh, obviously probably looked at quite a bit, but, uh, uh, saying that even though, uh, Will knew he was probably going to go as high as he went, still, still was engaged and all like that. And then kind of in, in the process there, he talked about, you know, the other Alabama kid, uh, Brian branch and all like that, uh, and how, how impressed he was, uh, with, with him, you know, obviously they, 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 they make their presence known at Alabama usually during those pro days and all. But, uh, I think it goes without saying that, uh, I, and I, who knows when and if it will ever happen, but if Will Anderson or Brian branch ever become free agents, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Mike, Mike Tomlin's going to, uh, 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 obviously be interested in those two players. I can see us writing about it now in like 2026 or 2027. Back in 2023, when the Steelers got ready for the Texans, here's what Mike Tomlin said about Will Anderson or Brian Branch. And uh, yeah, I think that's a bookmark bookmark that uh, that quote from Mike Tomlin. Uh, He talked about TJ Watt and, and, you know, how his uh, film study has, 
you know, probably was already pretty decent at film study coming into the NFL. And he says, you know, there's a significance based on football intellect and experience. Some people watch tape, some people study tape. That's a, that's a powerful statement in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a lot of relation to NFL media and NFL players. Right. Right. And you know what we do, I, and, and sometimes I, I try to catch myself, you know, am I, am I watching it or am I studying it? You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, something that, 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 that hit, hit home to me personally. And, you know, just try uh, always trying to do a better job of, of, uh, going through the all 22 and picking up on things and all like that. But, uh, he says, uh, uh, Watts on, on, on you know, basically on the uh, extreme, uh, side of the spectrum there. And, uh, from a preparedness standpoint, that's one of the reasons you get the production that you get from him by beyond his freakish talent, which he has some freakish talent. And when you combine freakish talent with freakish work ethic, you get players like T.J. Watt. Right, absolutely. And J.J. Watt, who will be honored at halftime this weekend. And T.J. Watt's talking about he's going to try to people to watch at halftime ceremony. I believe Derek Watt's going to be in attendance as well. So that'll be a, a side story to the uh, ultimate focus on the game, but still a, a cool thing I'm sure we'll, we'll talk and write about this weekend. Yeah, and I tried. Evidently, T.J. Watt had a media session with uh, with with the Houston media to talk about you know the J.J. Watt uh, ceremony coming up and all like that. I I sent an email to to you know to try to get a hold of that video. I haven't heard back yet. Maybe it'd be nice if that thing surfaced. I know their their beat writers have written quite a bit about and all like that. But uh, I don't know. Maybe by the end of the day, we'll have that full uh, uh, T.J. Watt that we can write about. Hey, real quick, and this is really not that relevant, but does Mike Tomlin still do his weekly conference call with the opposing team? I I tried to look for it. I think for the Browns game, I did I did not see any any quotes or anything like that. Have you? Yeah, seen I, I didn't see. I haven't seen anything in these first three games on any of that. Same, and he's always been good about that. He said in the past, he's specifically one of the few coaches that will talk to the opposing media. Um, but I don't know if that's happened this year or not. Maybe it has. Yeah. And they, they surely don't pass that stuff along easily. No, no. Uh, all right, Dave, anything else from Mike Tomlin? Uh, really no players to, to talk about because no one spoke on Monday because the team getting in so, uh, so late day off on Tuesday. So players will speak today. But right now, it's just uh, just Tomlin. What would you make of the uh, moving the moving the pocket thing? And what did Matthew Marks write about uh, this this morning about uh, uh, curious answer about Kenny Pickett's pre-snap uh, freedom? To, to, to audible yeah there was a, a question basically asking how much freedom does kenny pickett have with the line how much autonomy does he have to check out of plays and audible and, and that kind of stuff and tomlin says quote it depends on week to week why would we have kenny do it when we, when we know there's five down linemen in the game uh so it's not a player decision as a coach it's a coaching decision um not entirely sure what the question was i think the question was basically you ran into some really heavy boxes and some of those five down fronts that the Raiders employed, basically copying the Browns game plan. Could does Pickett have the ability to check out of that? And Tomlin kind of kind of punted and just said it, it was a lot of factors there. Any 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 takeaways from that? I mean, he really didn't give any sort of a concrete answer. Um, so I really don't have any specific takeaway there. I mean, I imagine Pickett does have. And some of the comments that he's made, you know, you talk about that third and two late game completion to Allen Robinson. They said they had a run option if they got the right look and they could, you know, run that sprint out, which they ran. So, you know, maybe it's not true audible ability, but maybe it's, you know, a check with me and you can you have a second play and a run play and a pass play, depending on the look that you get. Uh, maybe that's some of the more freedom that, that Pickett has this year. All right. All right. All right, Dave, let's dive into the All-22, and we'll start here with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Here's, And I'll kind of give a, a really broad picture of this game, and then we'll kind of go into the offense. But here's how I would define the Steelers' win and performance against the Raiders. Special teams played awesome. The defense played well. The offense was better. Did not I would not say they played well, but I think they were obviously better than where they have been. Yeah, better. Uh, they... That was the hardest 100 something rushing yards that you'll 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 find in that. Obviously, the explosive play to to Calvin Austin uh, was was a big deal in that game, uh, as were 
those uh, two drives that we talked about in the third quarter uh, there that they were able to string together and have all those uh, 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 successful plays in there. Uh, I think that that third quarter, the, the, the two drives in the third quarter, the explosive play uh, was just enough uh, for that offense. I don't think you can look uh, at the run tape overall in this game and get a get a great uh, warm, fuzzy feeling on this overall. I tell you what, they are going to have to. A, are we ever going? Are we going to see where is their identity still? They don't have one. Yeah, plain and simple. They, there's no bully ball identity in this thing. Now there were a couple times when we talked about where a couple of those double teams where you saw that push and and all in the line, but it's not. They they don't come out there and line up with the confidence that they can just run the football uh, like they probably want to be able to run the football, and especially not not against stacked stacked fronts and that that kind of thing. There. Uh, my and man, they they are not running well when two tight ends are on the field. Period. Uh, in, end of story. There. My thought is coming out of looking at this tape a few more times. Here was they have they are going to have to start figuring out how to run the football out of eleven personnel, uh, and you know, and, and really kind of spread out kind of situations and out of shotgun at that. Uh, they're going to have to figure out a, a way to start running successfully out of 11, out of more spread, and out of shotgun. I think it's a really good point that you make there, and I have not done a deep dive into these numbers, but our, our Tom Mead uh, sent over the offensive charting last night, so I just did a quick glance through, and I, I meant to do run success rates, and so I, I apologize that I don't have those offhand yet, but against the Raiders, and 11 personnel, Pittsburgh averaged 4.3 yards per carry. In 12 and 13 personnel, they averaged 1.6 yards per carry. Now, maybe some of that was the end of game stuff where the Raiders were really keying in on the run. But I think overall, you saw this team struggle to run out of condensed formations and some of the motion they were using. I think the Raiders were actually using that to their benefit yeah. to know when the key and, and time up runs and the corners and DBs were really coming through free. So, yeah, you're right, Dave. I think Pittsburgh, they ran the ball better, and that's encouraging, but they did not run the ball out of those heavy personnel where they were kind of built to supposed to be able to do those things this year. I think the more that they can look the same uh, in 11 personnel and run pass out of that is, is going to be the key to, to the next advancement in, uh, it, whatever that looks like in this offense here, uh, uh, because they're, they're just not getting it done with two tight ends on the field, either that, or they're going to have to figure out a way to start, uh, passing more out of these condensed sets. Mm -hmm. And then blocking and, you know, the tight end blocking has still been, I think pretty subpar it's yeah, not it has. It needs to be, and that's yeah. certainly an element to it too. And then just to the one last point with the run game. And, and again, you mentioned this Monday kind of sent me down the rabbit hole, the Pittsburgh Steelers have uh, of all all their runs, excluding kneel downs this year, have had 31% of their runs go for zero or negative yardage. Oh. That, that that leads the league by a considerable margin. So basically one third of their runs have been stuffed, zero yards or negative runs. I believe there were seven against the Raiders, and that was actually an improvement over the first two games. So just all that negativity that stalls drives and you can't convert on third and one and all those types of things. It's the biggest problem with the run game right now. Yeah, and then uh, as uh, who was it? Uh, I think it was in the live stream the other night. Someone said, "Hey, look at the second and, and long runs," and they've had a, they've they've had way too many of those, and it's because of the negativity. You know, negativity, especially early in games, are probably coming out with the script saying, "We're going to run the ball this week, boys." You know, uh, uh, first and second down. Uh, but you know the the, the 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 problem, and and as we broke it down, I think uh, uh, it was kind of split in halves in this last game about this second and long runs and all like that. But I mean, it it, it and didn't Clayton have a post on this last? It all starts on first down, and mm -hmm. I know that's I know that's a captain obvious uh, 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 topic analysis on it, but it all does start on first down here, and they're going to have to find, they're going to have to er especially early in games. 
do a better job of in, at a limit when they do run eliminating these negative runs. They've got to put themselves in a lot better situations in second down, uh, uh, especially early in games. You know, to, to, to start moving this thing and just the negative plays overall just really is something that jumped out has jumped out in these three ga- you know first three games overall and your, your numbers bear that out there uh they have got to cut I mean 30 what'd you say 31 of them 31 percent of their runs have been for zero or negative yards yeah I mean they're, they're going to have to figure out a way to 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 start running this ball better and I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to do this with two tight ends on the field in these just, condensed, condensed packages. And just for reference, the team with the lowest percentage of negative runs have been the Eagles at 8%. So you just want to kind of make those numbers relative. 8% is the best mark in football. Um, yeah, I just thought Pittsburgh ran in the really heavy fronts and boxes and not just, okay, they're putting eight or nine in the box because you're in 12 personnel, but even in box counts where they were short of man, you know, they were minus one and you had defenders running free that really gave the backs no chance at all. And I thought the Raiders just surprised me because all last week I talked about they were four, two, five team. They stay four, two, five. They don't, they don't budge. And they didn't put a third linebacker out there, but they were putting a fifth defense alignment out there. They were really looking what the Browns did effectively and frustrated Pittsburgh with those five down linemen fronts and Pittsburgh could not run against those either. And, and no disrespect to the Raiders, but that's not a very stout front. No, it, that's why I thought they would have uh, more success than what they even did because they were the Raiders were uh, a pretty poor run defense. Right. So, I mean, again, there was more, there was improvement and they did seem to pare down the run game and fewer perimeter runs and some of the double team blocks were better. And so there was some improvement there that got you a couple decent runs, but you got to avoid the negativity. And if you can just do that on top of the runs that did gain some traction, you're going to have, a halfway decent run game. Right. But they, they, they're going to have to start figuring this stuff out, especially where your body, I mean, you got Baltimore coming up, right? And, and what mm-hmm. a big, what a big game that is. And, uh, you know, the Texans have played, uh, you know, uh, you, you can, you can bet that the Texans are going to try to dare, you know, dare them, dare, you know, dare them to have to throw the ball a lot this game by trying to shut down the Steelers run game. Sure. That's been, I think the MO of all three teams Pittsburgh has played so far. So, when it comes to the passing game, what are your thoughts here, Dave? Uh, still a little clunky as far as that goes. I thought Kenny played obviously better and all like that, better decisions. And uh, I, I think the elements related to them being in in the game, uh, so to speak, that we talked about the other day and getting on into the second half and getting back in for, in in similar situations that they were earlier in the game and seeing and making, you know, some adjustments of how they wanted to attack some things, uh, 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 played in, into their favor, uh, overall in that. And I, and I think the, the byproduct of the passing game looking better was because of that. They were in the game still. Mm-hmm. Sure. They weren't behind and they could really kind of dictate tempo and pace and they, you know, were better on first down and better on third down and could sustain some drives. And that that's obviously just important overall. Um, should I start with the negative of what I saw? Or should I start with the positive? What do you think people would want to hear? To, uh, Dave? They, they probably want to hear the positive first. All right. So positive, And I had a video on this for the site. Thought George Pickens, you know, he's really had to evolve his role for, I think, two reasons. One, because Deontay Johnson is out. And two, because, man, teams are not letting this guy get vertical. I mean, their whole mission, their whole game plan is to not let George Pickens win over the top. Have they hit a single deep ball or even back shoulder throw to Pickens this season? I, I don't think they have. No. And they've attempted only... They've only even attempted a couple of them. I think there was one against San Fran. San Fran, that great catch that was out of bounds in the end zone. And has there even been another attempt downfield? Uh, well, that one, that one that uh, against San Francisco, uh, that they that they thought it looked like they jumped and probably thought that they had a free play on and all like that. And, and really, that right. was a play that they went back to for the Calvin Austin play this past week here. Just a. Uh, 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 didn't you know had 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 more of a reduced split on that for Austin? Yeah, so good point. But I think it's I think it's been it. I think it's like the two true vertical shots that's been taken to Pickens, and that's just because I think teams have rolled coverage and they doubled him and they played corners off and they're not really letting Pickens get loose. But he's winning in other ways. He's winning from the slot. He's winning on digs and crossers and 
the, the mesh concept on third down that gets him free. And that's really important for him. He's getting, you know, snaps as the backside X receiver, which is typically where Deontay Johnson is going to play, but they don't really have another true X receiver on this team right now with him out. And so Pickens has taken some of those snaps. And I think, you know, just these, these are plays he would not have made a year ago. And you see the, yeah, he's already, he already has more yak this year than he had all last year. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. It's been three games and he's already easily cleared the yak that he had as a rookie. So that's been really important and encouraging for him. And he's needed it. And this offense has needed it uh, because teams are not letting him get downfield. Right. And as we talked coming out of last year, you got to give him more opportunities to run in space with the football uh, other than you know, the, 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 the deep shots and all like that. So far they've done that. His yak represents that, uh, so far. And, uh, I mean, the, the design on that mesh was very well put together. I thought Alan Robinson did a good job of kind of, you know, uh, uh, rubbing off the defender on that. And if you can, uh, if, if you can indeed get him, uh, the ball running in stride like that, you're going to have, you know, that was one of their explosive plays in this game, right? Then they only had what mm-hmm. two, two, uh, two, two in this game to touch down to Calvin Austin and, 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 and that play to him. Uh, that's, that's, if you're not able to throw up, throw it up over the top, uh, to either Austin or, 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 or to George Pickens, that's the way that you're going to have to manufacture these explosive plays. It feels like. You know, I mean, yeah, they've gotten a couple of runs from from Najee so far, but I don't think, you know, when looking at this uh, 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 run game in totality, that's something that that you can expect right now. Uh, You did have the explosive, well-designed play uh, to to, to get Jalen Warren out in space in in, what was that, the Cleveland game uh, there. But uh, uh, to, to get these wide receivers specifically to start delivering more explosive plays, it feels like it's going to have to be a, Randy Feetner uh, attack, uh, uh, catch short, run long. Right. Um, I thought the Raiders played a lot of too high in this game, but on that Austin touchdown, since you mentioned it, they were actually playing single high, but they rolled the coverage to George Pickens because they're trying to take him away. And that actually opened up Austin on the post to get behind the safety and, and run past the corner. And so even when Pickens, you're seeing Pickens have an impact, even without him being targeted, even without him getting the football, because teams are really trying to take him away. I thought that Ted Nguyen did a great job of pointing out in his breakdown there. Why wouldn't you have Jacor, uh, Jacorian Bennett uh, or, or, or on Calvin Austin on that one? Yeah, because Bennett's a fast guy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how the Raiders do things. Do they do they play people? Do they play sides? You know, Pittsburgh plays sides, and so you know, offenses kind of get to dictate matchups. So, but yeah, Ted is a Raiders guy and, and one of the best at breaking down X's and O's. Uh, that was a that was a great throw by Kenny on that because even so there was uh that 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 safety that was on that far side was was making up ground pretty quickly there so mm-hmm. uh uh that ball had to be put out in front of Austin and it was and uh, obviously the pass protection was held up on that uh, uh Jalen Warren good job on that all right what about the negative well just one more positive right. and yeah that was a great throw by by Kenny that was a dime that also the touchdown to Frymuth. Um, boot to your left you know I think Pickett's really good throwing to his left scoring his shoulders and putting that one on the money so I thought that was a really good throw and just good to see Frymuth get involved not that he had a ton of catches but you had the touchdown off the boot you had the sprint out you had I think his other catch his third one was another mesh concept where you have the mesh to, to beat man then Frymuth sits down as his own beater and uh I think they played zone on that play. The Raiders did, and, and Pickett got to him. Uh, here's the thing people will not like to hear me say about Kenny Pickett from the negative side, and I'll have a video on this breaking it down in detail for Thursday. He is bailing on so many clean pockets, Dave. And I know there was pressure, and he got beat up quite a bit in the first half, and he's been hit a lot this season. But this was a big problem he had his rookie, rookie season, and in my big I watched every single one of Kenny Pickett's snaps and throws video that I did in the offseason. It was like a 70-minute video. It's one of my top takeaways in terms of the negative of where he had to improve upon. And he just starts bailing and always goes to his right. And there were, to me, at least at least four times where it was so obvious and so clear he's leaving a clean pocket, inviting pressure. And all four of those plays resulted in incompletions and throwaways. And, and that's something this guy has to correct. Yeah, he's got to start trusting trusting and stepping up into it yeah and just hanging in there i mean if, if you're clean you're clean and i know the internal clock goes off and the line has had problem. i thought the line did not do a good job in pass protection in this game but i thought pickett was part of that problem as well and when you're when you're rolling out 
the tackle no longer can give you help because the end no longer has to go through you. He can just go around you because Pickett's running into that. I mean, even the sack that Max Crosby had where Corfort did get beat, Pickett is running into that. And and that's just, that, that stuff's a killer and it's got to get cleaned up. Yeah, Mason Cole's not off to, to, to his best start in pass protection, is he? No, I think he's had a really poor start overall. I thought run game and pass protection. I mean, that that might be the biggest surprise in terms of disappointment. Well, I shouldn't say that because I'm picking the offense in general. Thought they, they take some more steps, but like just a, a pretty steady dude last year that's not playing steady right now. All right. Do you think we'll see him uh, in a moving pocket uh, a little bit more moving forward? Can he pick it? Yeah. With a moving pocket, you mean in terms of him bailing? Yeah, ro- or in ro- terms- ro- rolling, rolling out. Uh, on design plays, sure, some of that uh, I thought, and I give Matt Canada credit because I thought on those sprint outs he was using them in smarter situations on first and ten to get an easy five yards, or on third and two to pick up a first down, as opposed to last year when they came in so many and long situations, second and eleven, and stuff like that. That really just wasn't giving you uh, much of anything. So yeah, I mean, you know, I think part of that was also running away from Max Crosby to kind of change the, the launch point a little bit. So. It's a combination of things. Um, the Texans probably don't have that premier pass rusher that Pittsburgh has faced so far. This Will Anderson. He's got one sack this season. He certainly can be a threat, but he's not the proven guy that Crosby and Garrett and, and Bosa are. So we'll see overall. Does it feel like right now with the passing game that it's going to be, uh, when it comes to explosive plays, is going to be kind of a feast or famine situation where it's going to be 60 to the house? <laughs> uh, and, and in other words, like, you know, uh, two or three explosive plays, hopefully, or, or, you know, obviously hope more than that, but, uh, uh, you know, those kind of explosive plays, which I mean, look, look, coming out of last year, you, you, you would scream to have those kind of, uh, 70 yard touchdowns. Right. And not, not, nothing, nothing beats, you know, the double, triple explosive play going to the house, but is it, is it going to be that reliant on it? Uh, I mean, hopefully it isn't, but to answer your question, it kind of feels like where they're at right now. It's an offense to me that's still sputtering, that's occasionally clicking, and again, was certainly better against the Raiders, but I would not call it good. I would not call that a performance where they played well, and it's an offense that's still trying to figure out, as you said, who they are and how they win, and can they do things more uh, consistently and get off to better starts, and they really struggle with that especially, so... Yeah, it's an offense to me that does not feel like it's where where it needs to be for this team to truly, you know, have a good season and, and be a threat in the AFC. I'm interested to see if they can come out and 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 and, and you know get this running game going out of eleven. Yeah, they need to. Um, I thought the backs ran hard. I thought Warren ran hard. I thought Najee ran hard, but there just wasn't a ton there for for this team. You're not seeing them split like the Red Sea like you did on a couple of them Eagles runs the other night. <laughs> Now, what I would give for that O-line and Stavlin's done a great job as their O-line coach. And the backs have been good. So, yeah, they avoid negativity, and that's why they uh, lead the NFL with the fewest negative runs uh, right. this season. Right. Got to get the negativity plays down. Got to get the running game going. One last note that I have. I thought Dan Moore Jr. struggling with power again. It's been his big issue. I think he's dealt with speed rushers generally well in his career. I think his big issue is his bull rushes and power and Max Crosby putting him on skates. I know bull rushes are tough to defend and talented guys to get in your chest. It can doesn't always look pretty, but I thought he was kind of getting consistently pushed back. Not even always by Crosby. I think uh, Kuntz got him once too. So big problems there. Right. All right, any other final thoughts with the offense? You want to flip over to the defense? Yeah, please? we can flip over to defense. Right. I don't really have any more really big expanded thoughts on on, on the defense uh, other than, you know, uh, gave up, you know, obviously way too much to Adams. Yeah, why do you think, what do you think the difference was? Because last year you shut him down. I mean, if he had schooled you every matchup, you would just kind of say, well, it's Devontae Adams. He's just a really talented guy. But Pittsburgh took him away last year. Why do you think he went off for such a big game this time around? Yeah, they just didn't do a good enough job in 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 uh, in bracketing him, you know. I mean, do you think there was a more of a? I was trying to think back to last year, but was there more of a concentration to bracket him last year? Um, I can't. Think, I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember. Yeah, I my sense was again a lot of a lot of in cuts and dig routes that were successful in this game. With Pittsburgh was playing some two man on third down, gave up the sideline a couple times. Um, I just felt like the middle of the field was pretty soft for Pittsburgh and the Raiders just kind of feasted there. Right. 
because they didn't really hit hit any like true deep balls to Adam Stutton. The, the sideline shots really weren't there. It was a lot of the crosses, the 15 yard digs and uh, the over route on the touchdown that, that gave them the big plays. And wasn't he, uh, I mean, he almost had another one, not for Holcomb there. Yeah. I mean, that was a great stick there, but yeah, they certainly, I think were just winning over that, you know, between the numbers all day for, for the Raiders. I agree. Uh, let's see. Pass rush, I thought was strong overall. High Smith, Golden, Watt, Benton, who we mentioned earlier. Um, again, run defense, I thought just good team run defense, just tackled well, gap sound. Uh, again, playing in, in their base defense quite a bit in this game. Um, anything else to, to mention here, Dave? Well, I mean, uh, I you know, I think they, they showed without Cam Hayward that they can function if everybody does their job. Uh, correctly, you know, cause you know, you had that wind back run, you know, against the Browns, it shouldn't have happened and all like that. So I think they, they, they did a better job of trusting themselves and, 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 and everybody trying to do their job. And I think Mike Tomlin spoke to that, you know, just did a better job overall, as far as the sign sound, uh, goes up front and, and I mean, look, you got a, a, a decent back in, 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 in Pierce that you're going to face this week. You obviously have a mobile quarterback, uh, that a more mobile quarterback that, that, that you're going to play against this week here. So, I mean, for not having Cam Hayward in there, we already talked about, uh, 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 oh, Benton and yeah, Benton doing, you know, playing, playing better up front. I think, oh, Joby's been representing himself. Well, I think Montrevious Adams, uh, has been representing himself so far. Uh, it was interesting to see them get Mark Robinson on the field for four snaps in this game as well, too. And those those ended up uh, doing well there. So uh, they they are going to have to continue to improve against uh, against a run uh, like you know like like they did in this game against the Raiders. Why do you think why do you think they gave Robinson just those four random snaps? I'm trying to look up my charting what the the situation was there. When he got that, I mean, it was all in their, all in their three, four, all of the first half. But even when Pittsburgh was in their base three, four later in the game, uh, Robinson was not playing. Yeah. It was a bit surprising to see him on the field. I got to admit. Yeah. Um, but I thought, I thought he did okay. Overall, I wasn't, he got put on his back on the one play. Um, other thought Keanu Neal is a hitter. I mean, not that that's a shock, but I mean, this guy was, you know, definitely, I think, you know, displaying the hit power in this game. I thought Minka had an underrated game. I thought his tackling was was really strong, really valuable. And, uh, you know, communication wise, I thought Pittsburgh communicated a lot better in this game than they did the first couple weeks of the season. Right. I would agree. And then special teams, obviously, you know, Boz was excellent and, and Harvin was too. I thought the coverage units, I thought the punt coverage unit overall was, was really impressive. Mark Robinson, two special teams tackles in this game. And I think they had what, four or five as a team in this one. Yeah, I thought Killebrew had a good tackle on his play. Robinson had the first two tackles on the punt team, including a great one on that first punt from Harvin. Um, could he become, have they announced the uh, players of the week yet? Could he become special teams player of the week? I, I didn't even consider that. I guess that comes out about right now, doesn't it? Yeah, usually it's out by now. I just checked before we jumped on the podcast, and I, I doubt Watt's going to win it because you got Miles Garrett, and I think Bernard and Buffalo and be Kyle Hamilton. But could Harvin win it? Were there any other big special team plays in the yeah, AFC? Yeah, I, I didn't pay. I haven't haven't looked that. Oh, deep. the uh, was that Matt Gay with Indy? He's probably going to win it because he had a bunch of those fifty yarders to beat Baltimore. So I take that back. It's probably going to be him. Okay. But Harvin, a great performance, regardless. Um, all right, Dave. Anything else here? Should we mention? Should we mention this? This this story kind of picked up some steam yesterday. Uh, Jerome Bettis was on Ben Roethlisberger's <laughs> football and podcast that dropped, uh, dropped randomly on Sunday, just a couple hours before the game. And uh, somewhere in that whole conversation, uh, they brought up the 04 title game and, and Bettis was, uh, as past years have done, you know, accusing the Patriots of cheating. And there's obviously, you know, some evidence there in the whole Spygate thing. But you have any sort of takeaway, any sort of commentary on what, what Bettis had to say? Nah, just beer talk. <laughs> uh, overall, I did. I mean, other other than them actually talk, you know, and they didn't spend a lot of time uh, uh, talking about it. But I, they're they're both still uh, very well convinced that uh, there were shenanigans going on there. Sure, and it's well founded. And I'm not saying there weren't shenanigans. Um, I think that there there were, and Spygate bore that out. But I. I went through and actually tried to evaluate what that is said and what he said didn't really match what happened. He was talking about a fourth and one play where the Patriots called timeout and the big nose tackle, Ted Washington went to the sidelines and Bettis is saying, why did the, the big nose tackle go to the sideline? Usually you're going to 
put your defensive captain or somebody over there to get a call in. And that didn't happen. Ted Washington was not a, a Patriot in 2004. He was in Oakland. Uh, Bettis is confusing him with Ted Johnson, who's a, a, there was a middle linebacker. So it would make sense for him to go to the sideline. Uh, the Patriots did not call a timeout before that play that Bettis is referencing. Um, it, 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 there was some truth to it, but it didn't fully hold up. I know that was almost 20 years ago, but Bettis was saying he remembers his play vividly and the facts don't exactly match up with uh, how he told the story. All right. So, but does not mean they didn't cheat and they didn't steal signs. Those things certainly all seem possible. So anything else here, Dave, that I might be missing as we kind of wrap up today's show? Uh, no, I think we've hit on the, uh, big things there. I'm excited to try to get deeper down into the, uh, uh, Texans tape. I know Josh and I know Josh has started to hit it pretty hard and also, uh, we'll be talking a lot about that on the Friday show. All right, Dave, let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. Let's see here what we have from the inbox here, Justin, uh, Brisbane writes in, if Houston gets a shortened goal to go situation, we are going to see uh, Kendrick Green at fullback just because, aren't we? <laughs> <That's>, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I, I haven't paid attention. I mean, I, I suppose it's possible, but uh, it, it would be comical if Kendrick Green gets into into the game in a short goal situation. And I believe Pittsburgh's making a roster move. I'm trying to pull up the exact stuff i'm just seeing it oh yeah jalen camp uh wide receiver jalen camp to the practice squad and release k uh kaylin barnes which we already already knew about there okay so that is um one practice squad spot spoken for to help replace hoko there is still one open one too and so i'm not sure when that's going to get filled but we'll let you know all right all right. Uh, what else do we have in the emo machine? Here, Dave? And yeah, uh, with Green and fullback, I mean, again, we'll see if, if he doesn't start, then maybe they will. But uh, I really want to see what happens with Laramie Tunsil. Uh, Bryce wants to know, make sure in life you find someone that lights up about you the way Mike Tomlin lit up about Will Anderson. Uh, looked like he needed a cold shower after that question. Yeah, <laughs> he, 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 he delivered quite a, uh, response about Will Anderson there. Uh, number two, can you guys give a breakdown and overview of the concept of off-man coverage? Since the Steeler corners are playing off so much to start the season, are they playing more off-man as opposed to zone? And would it be more beneficial for them to play more off-man and get the benefit of both worlds playing off to not get beat deep while still being aggressive to the football? What have you seen in the charting? Well, our charting doesn't indicate depth and man versus zone is one of the few things that uh that we don't chart um i think they've been a bit more zone heavy this year than than man they were a pretty man heavy team last year i don't have the exact numbers on that and they're kind of a harder to find league wide uh, what was the second part of the question about not getting beat deep uh the oh, i was going to try to search those numbers out for you can you uh, let's see are they playing more off man as opposed to zone? And would it be more beneficial for them to play more off man and get the benefit of both worlds playing off to not get beat deep while still being aggressive to the football? Yeah. I mean, I I get what you're saying a bit, you know, still play man coverage, but uh, you're playing off. So you're kind of able to read the, the route and read through the quarterback a bit better. Um, it, It just depends. It's hard to really answer that blanket depends on the personnel depends on, how much you're blitzing. I mean, there's probably a lot of factors to go into that. Um, so it's not something I can probably give a great answer to right now, to be honest with you, but, but interesting thought. Let me see real quick. If I can pull up, uh, tendencies here. Uh, Are you looking up man zone tendencies? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, most teams, basically every team plays more zone than man, even Pittsburgh, which I think was the fifth heaviest man coverage team last year was, I think, a 60-40 zone man split in favor of zone. Um, but it feels like they, they played less man coverage this year. Uh, looks like 28% usage of man, okay. uh, 64% zone, uh, middle of the field closed. 46% middle of the field open 45%. Uh, three man rush 5%, four man rush 67% and blitz 28%. Okay. So do, do you know where that man coverage ranks? Can you do you have that information accessible to you cuz uh, I'm always y- interested in in that 
stat? It says usage 28% usage percentage rank 18th. Okay. So yeah, again, last year they were around top five. And so I, it felt like they were playing a lot more zone this year. And will that be the case for the whole season? Again, it's a bit game plan dependent. I think they played some more man coverage against the Raiders. Uh, two man played more two high looks in this game than they probably did in the first two weeks. So there is an ebb and flow to it. Let's see in week three, uh, man, 35% zone, 53%. Yeah. So you see the man coverage rate still, you know, like I said, increased there a little bit. All right. Uh, let's see if we got any more questions here. And first off, I'm a, this is from Antonio. First off, I'm a diehard depot fan. I love everything about side. It's my first stop for everything. I have a conspiracy theory on the Steelers offense that will lead to a book by uh, Canada called hostage. After listening to statements made by Canada, Pickett and Tomlin, it seems to me that they have been instructed by Tomlin to basically run the damn uh, play that's called. Kenny seems to have no option to change the play at the line, even when 14 people are in the box to stop the run. After all statements that he is a mature quarterback that can handle the moment. I feel like Canada is basically being the fall guy for what seems to be an elementary offensive philosophy. I would love to hear your thoughts and conspiracy theory on that. Uh, you know, I, we talked a little bit about it at, at the top of the show based on some common comments. I mean, it's hard to know exactly uh, how much autonomy, right? It is. Yeah. We're never going to be able to, to spell that out with perfect accuracy. I mean, I think it's been some more freedom this year. You're right. Some of the, you know, running into heavy boxes has been frustrating. And can you check out of that? I mean, and again, some of that's you're on the row. It's harder to communicate. I know it had that home feel, but you're still, you know, you're dealing with more uh, opposing fans than you would be at Acrisure. Um yeah, there's probably just a lot of factors to go into this thing. Yeah, it's hard. To, I mean, I love a good, good, good conspiracy theory and all, but it's hard to stack on top of that based on on what we know or what we will know. Uh, let's see. Blake Literal, my six-year listen to the podcast, somebody asked the other day, what celebrity uh, would you want a Steelers player to date? He says it's been rumored that our ta- uh, Pat Frymuth has been getting flirty with Lombardi Trophy. I don't, I don't know where he came up with that one. Uh, I, I, he misspelled Lombardi trying to make a play on words mm-hmm. there. You know, uh, John DeStefano writes in, Hey guys, are either of you worried about the lack of speed at cornerback on this team after Sunday night's game? It seemed to be glaring to me. He says, I know Pat P and Levi are game players, but they look below average when it comes to running. Uh, thanks and keep up the good work. I'll say this about, uh, Pat, Pat Pete, uh, on, on that touchdown. He, uh, he made up a lot of ground. He, you know, it was a late pat. You know, uh, could have done a, a better job in timing and on, on, on passing that uh, undercut uh, off and all like that. But he he turned around. I mean, it. Yeah, you know, obviously other players. He made up a lot of ground in that. And if he had would have got ahead, got his head around a little bit quicker. But you know, it's hard to keep running and get the head turned around. Mm-hmm. In the, you know, in the same uh, uh, breath there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sitting here worried right now as we sit right now saying, man, boy, this, the speed of the cornerbacks is what's killing this team. Same. I mean, I thought Peterson was in good positioning, you know, speed-wise, I guess you could say, on that touchdown to Adams. I mean, he just a matter of trying to find the football. And, you know, he said he lost it in the light. So it's not like he got – I mean, no one's really been burned this year, you know. It's not like the way right. that Kevin Austin ran away from the Raiders, you know, coverage on that play. Um, now I think they played some – we just mentioned they played some more zone. They've kind of played off a bit more. And obviously Wallace and Peterson are not burners. And Wallace, you know, couldn't catch Jerome Ford on that, that cutback reverse run against Cleveland. So, you know, there's maybe you're missing some of that there, but I mean, generally speaking, when I think about the issues with this team and with this defense, the uh, lack of speed of corner so far has not, not hurt this team. Yeah. We'll see if that, that maintains moving forward. They got uh, that, that uh, in, on the tank Dell, right? This week. Yeah. He's a speedster. So, I mean, to be fair, they really haven't faced, they really faced any fast wide receivers. They really probably haven't faced that type of dude yet. So, I think, as you said, Tank Dell might be a big test. Uh, Damon Miller writes in, Najee versus Warren. Hello, I've been listening to the podcast for a few years, and I can say you guys have been have both been pessimistic and optimistic pursuers of mine. I don't know what that – I don't know. Is that good? 
Uh, <laughs> we'll find out the rest of the email and see what uh, it says. My question is, what is the difference between Najee and Warren as it pertains to production? It seems like every time Najee touches the ball, he has the defender in his face upon the handoff. Warren, however, seems to hit the hole with a lot more ease. Is this due to the amount of outside runs given to Najee compared to Warren? Is it due to the predictability when Harris is in the game? It seems Warren has proven to be the better relieving threat and comes in on more passing downs, which may open up the defense more for him. Maybe Najee's ability to make the first defender miss is just uh, uh, too seductive for him to not run into the defender. I'm not sure, he says. Regardless, I think Harris is a very solid back, but using a first-round pick on him and watching the undrafted guy get more production just leaves me wondering what is the reason behind this. Uh, look, I mean, we we talked a little bit, I, I think, even on that live stream the other night. And, uh, and, and if you look at the snap counts in the game, I think Mike Tomlin talked about how game game flow dictates that and all like that. I mean, you know, where Warren has been most impressive is in the passing game so far. Yeah, as a runner, he's not been productive, and I'm not knocking Warren for that. Oftentimes, the blocking just isn't there, but statistically, it basically most measures Harris House has outproduced Jalen Warren. And I think from a negative play standpoint, Warren has been slightly better in terms of fewer negative plays of zero or negative yards, but it, it's, it's you know not by much. And so um, I'll kind of defend Najee on that. I think he has run better than, than people are giving him credit for. And, but, and yeah, as, as a, you know, in the past game, Warren's been excellent, and that's where he's, I think at his best is, is third down passing situation. So I want to keep him in that role no question about that. So, and again, the run game as a whole has to be better. There's certainly things I'm sure Harris can do better, things Warren can do better. Right. Um, but I, I think people have gotten a little too Warren's been great and Harris has done nothing as a runner because the numbers don't tell that story. Now, now maybe if he busts one off for like 60 yards for a score this next week, you know, uh, but I mean, you, you got to block it up. And right now, as we talked about, uh, I think they'd be better served to try to try to run more out of 11 out of shotgun. Uh, now K- Kenny has been good on, on the limited play action so far. I mean, but can we see more play action out of, out of shotgun? Maybe, you know, if, if they start getting this running game going out of 11, can you do uh, uh, more stuff out of that? It just feels like the whole under center stuff as a whole hasn't been great. Yeah, I had, we'll have to look at some of the numbers. I know you've done some of that on 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 the, the data for under center production. My favorite play action numbers, and I've mentioned this before, but they they pulled their guards four times this year, and they've all been on play action. They've yet to actually pull the guard on a run run play. So maybe actually do that, and that that aspect of play action will will open up some more. All right, uh, I think we're about at the hour mark, are we not? Yeah, I think just over that. So we'll come back Friday. Friday, depending on how things go, don't want to make any promises, but we're gonna have, I think we'll have a couple of guests. And so this was maybe a bit shorter show today, but I think Friday is going to be, might be a two-hour day we're looking at, looking at on Friday, Dave. All so right. buckle up for that. All right, I will. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Uh, hit the donate button. If you're on mobile, that's in that little flyout window. Hit the three dots uh, over there uh, on the menu, and you can uh, see the donate button. That way, you can also see the ad-free button that way, too. I, I'm on desktop all day, and I, I, I have a blindness sometimes to forget that most of our users use mobile there. So if you hit that three-dot menu and bounce out that uh, navigational menu, uh, you'll find the donate link and the ad-free uh, uh, option uh, that way there. But uh, as uh, Alex said, we should have a pretty full show uh, on Friday here. So uh, in the meantime, we're going to start getting into the uh, Texans uh, tape uh, and get get ready for Pittsburgh Steelers versus Texans on Sunday uh, in Houston. So as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.